0: Coming up, I'm joined by Bill Rossetti of the Locked On Panthers podcast as we kick off Crossover Thursdays here on the Locked On Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different and Pepsi's here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi's a refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the league of football watchers because Pepsi's not made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. I am James Yarko. David Harrison has the rest of the week off, but of course you can check out everything he and I are doing over at bucksnation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at Locked On bucks, at Jayarko underscore bucks, at D Harrison 82, and at Bucks underscore nation. Coming up in just a moment, I will be joined by Bill Rossetti of the Locked On Panthers podcast as we prepare to kick off crossover Thursday and take a look at at the Week 10 matchup between the Buccaneers and the Panthers. But before we dive into the crossover portion of the episode, a couple of housekeeping items to take care of as it pertains to the Buccaneers. First and foremost, Ali Marpet returned to practice on Wednesday. After missing the Sunday night game against the New Orleans Saints due to a concussion, it appears that he will be on track to return to the lineup this week against the Carolina Panthers. Something that we saw is desperately needed by this Buccaneers offense is having Ali Marpet there in the middle. A lot of pressure coming at Tom Brady through the middle against the New Orleans Saints. Another bit of news regarding the offensive line is that center Ryan Jensen has been nominated for the NFL Salute to Service Award presented by USAA. And on Wednesday, the NFL and USAA, the the official NFL Salute to Service partner, announced the 32 nominees in the 10th Annual Salute to Service Award. For the second year in a row, it was Buccaneer center Ryan Jensen that was the team nominee for the honor. And in a press release sent out by the Buccaneers, Tony Wells, the USAA chief brand officer and former Marine, said, quote, The 2020 nominees for the Salute to Service Award presented by USAA demonstrate the depth and widespread appreciation and support for the military community across the NFL. During a trying year for all Americans, each of these nominees deserves this moment of special recognition for their passionate support of those who chose to serve. We congratulate these nominees and say thank you to America's military families. Buccaneer Center Ryan Jensen said, quote, It's an honor to use our platform to recognize and support the heroes who serve our country. This recognition is humbling, but it's really a testament to all the service members who protect us. My family has been connected to the military for generations, and during this particularly challenging year, we remain thankful to the armed forces and their families whose sacrifices ensure our freedom. The press release went on to say that since he joined the Buccaneers, Ryan Jensen has visited MacDill Air Force Base on numerous occasions and has been an active participant in team initiatives such as Military Day at training camp, and the General H. Norman Schwarzkopf Military Family of the Year Awards, which honors military families from each brand of the armed forces. The ceremony is hosted by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and honors a family from each branch of the military for their integrity, courage, commitment, and service before self. Coming up on the other side of the break, I will be joined by Bill Rossetti of the Locked On Panthers podcast as we dive into the crossover edition of the show, get to know the Panthers a little bit, what has been going on with them since the week two matchup that the Buccaneers were able to win. But first, we have to give a shout out to our friends over at Pepsi. This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com and check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. Pepsi made for football watching. And while you're drinking down that Pepsi, you're going to want a little snack or a little meal to go along with it, which is why you need to check out our friends over at DoorDash. You want Chinese, they want pizza, someone is craving frozen yogurt, there's something for everyone on DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is easy. Just open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the United States, Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, or even the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery. You just have to open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left at your door. Right now, our listeners can get five dollars off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code locked on. That's five dollars off your order and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDON. Don't forget, code LOCKEDON for $5 off your first order with DoorDash.
1: What is going on, guys? Welcome to Week 10 of Crossover Thursday. Really hard to believe we're at this point of the season, but it's rematch week. Panthers and Buccaneers, Buccaneers, excuse me, James Yarko and myself back together again. We did this week too. Glad to be back with him again,
0: James. Good to see you again, man. Yeah, you too. It's kind of déjà vu—a crossover episode with you after a loss to the Saints, and yeah, here here <laughs> we are.
1: That's right. Yeah, it's just like just like our first meet. That's right. The Bucks are coming off a loss to the Saints in week nine, just like they did week one. I think mean, that's, that's a good point. So you never know, maybe it'll be just like the first meeting. They're angry, but uh should be a rather interesting one. But, um, you know, the Buccaneers still looking pretty solid, obviously, you know, six and three, they did lose the division lead though. Um, kind of talk, you know, what are your thoughts and, you know, Buccaneers thought or Buccaneers fans thoughts right now on just kind of the, uh, the overall grasp of this team. You know, I, I looked at some of the, just like some of the raw numbers on my podcast uh, earlier this week. And some of the numbers were pretty interesting. The fact that they're, you know, middle of the road in total offense, obviously they have a, uh, a pretty poor rushing offense. Um, but what's the overall sense of the, the Buccaneers right now, especially the fact that, you know, they've lost the division lead and they now lose the tiebreaker
0: to the Saints. What's kind of the general feeling there? Uh, there's a little bit of panic creeping in among Tampa Bay fans. Honestly, yeah, this is back-to-back poor performances. Granted, they escaped the poor performance against the Giants with a win, but Monday night was one of those nights where it was just nothing could go right for Tampa Bay. It seemed everything went right for New Orleans, and so people are starting to get a little frustrated, a little uh, antsy, because this was a team that was being talked about as the best team in the NFC now I do believe they are probably the most complete team when they're on but they have not shown that the last couple weeks the game plans have been subpar it seems as though Todd Bowles is getting away from what made the defense so successful early in the season so there's not like full-blown the sky is falling outside of a couple of outliers i had some people on monday night tell me at the bucks nation twitter account that this team was going to finish seven and nine this team was going to miss the playoffs you know this you know the coaching staff is terrible bruce Arians should be fired and so for some people the sky is falling but generally there's just a little bit of concern about the downward trend over the past few weeks yeah, no, that, that's definitely
1: understandable. I mean, like you said, it was shocking to see the way they had to struggle against the Giants, and then, yeah, Sunday was just a uh, a rough outing. But I want to ask you something specific about Sunday, too, and I'm sure you guys, you and uh, David have been obviously talking about this quite a bit over the last few days, and that was the return of Antonio Brown. Uh, he played 39 offensive snaps on Sunday, did catch three passes, but – um, there was a, uh, a rally he run, if I remember, uh, that kind of led to an interception. So what was the overall thoughts on Antonio Brown's return? I mean, this was his, what only a second game in in two seasons, which is crazy to think about. But what were the thoughts of him on Sunday and what's his role gonna be like going forward?
0: Uh, I think the general thoughts were, you know, David believed he played more snaps than he probably should have you know he was taking snaps away from guys like Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson who've been here all year overall the production was kind of what I thought it was going to be like you said he had three receptions he had 31 yards all of his receptions led to first downs seemed like he was being targeted a little too often early in the game especially when somebody like Mike Evans didn't get a target until the second quarter but overall, you know, it's it's depth. He's not going to overtake Mike Evans or Chris Godwin as the top guys on this team. He's you know gonna eat into some of the snaps from Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson, as I mentioned, but he's there to not only try to help a wide receiver core that has been injured all season long. Mike Evans hasn't been healthy for a single game. Uh, Chris Godwin has missed games due to three different injuries Scotty Miller's been dealing with a hip and a groin injury all season long so he's a solid depth piece that the Buccaneers got really really cheap and if Godwin goes down if Mike Evans goes down you have an established historically number one receiver in your back pocket to be able to utilize I think they'll get him more involved as the weeks go on. Yeah. He had only practiced for a week and then all of a sudden he's getting 78% of the snaps, but you know, it's, there's still still some trepidation among Buccaneers fans because of the off field issues. But right now I'd say it's lining up about what we would have expected heading into Sunday night, just because of his short time with the team.
1: Good stuff. Um, I want to flip over to the defense too, because You know, the Buccaneers are still touting an extremely good run defense, and we know the Panthers are now going to have some issues, again, with Christian McCaffrey unlikely to play in this game. Um, But when we last talked, the Buccaneers still had Vita Vea since then, obviously, uh, for those that, you know, haven't been paying too close attention to the Bucs. Vita Vea, of course, did go down. Uh, for the season uh, a few weeks ago, if I remember correctly, but they made the trade for Steve McClendon from the Jets and it seems like it was kind of almost a, a seamless transition there in the middle of the defense. How has McClendon been able to fit in so well so quickly with this Buccaneers front and what continues to
0: make this Bucks defense be so good against the run? His transition was pretty seamless, I think, just because of his history with Todd Bowles. He already knew the scheme. Mm-hmm. He already knew his responsibilities. He was ready to rock and roll. Now he is sharing time. Obviously, Raheem Nunez Roaches has filled in for Vita Vea. So McClendon isn't really the starter per se, but mm-hmm. he's in that rotation. He, you know, he's been involved in in run defense. He had a couple of penalties against the Giants, which wasn't ideal. But yeah, you know, again, that was a pretty ugly game for the Bucks. Um, their ability to stop the run is really the foundation for setting up how they've been able to take advantage of opposing offenses. When, when you basically eliminate that portion of a team's game, you can send your exotic blitzes, you can send the pressure, and your secondary can become opportunistic by knowing what the opposition is going to do. When your opposing running back is only getting – you know, one yard per carry or one and a half yards per carry, teams are going to abandon that. And it's going to allow Todd Bowles to bring pressure from different situations, different angles. And that's why the secondary has been so good at getting their hands on the ball. This is a team tied for the league lead in takeaways. They're second only to the Pittsburgh Steelers in sacks. But all that being said, that's something that seems – to be what they've gotten away from the last couple of weeks. They're running more of a zone scheme rather than a press man, which is what the secondary does. Well, they're not sending as many blitzes. They were trying to get to breeze with just their front three. And you and I both know you're not going to get to breeze with just your down linemen. It's, it's not going to happen. And so they were avoiding the blitz running a zone scheme and breeze just picked them apart all night long. So when they get back to what they do best, and that is sending Devin White or Levante David on blitzes, sending Antoine Winfield Jr. on a safety blitz, sending corner blitzes, bringing pressure from all different angles, allowing your corners to man up against opposing receivers. That's where their bread and butter is. And all of that trickles back to their ability to turn opponents into one dimensional teams. A lot of good stuff
1: there and definitely excited to see if the if the Buccaneers do more of that uh, for sure on Sunday but um, I think you know we got a couple good questions in. I think we're gonna flip it around here and uh, put myself I guess now on the hot seat so we'll take a quick minute comeback for kind of part two as it were of uh, this crossover edition myself James Yarko locked on
0: Panthers locked on Buccaneers Before we take a look at the Panther side of things on Crossover Thursday, of course, have to give a shout out to our friends over at Built Go. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through it with Built Go every day. They are easy to take in one and a half ounce packages. You can throw it in your briefcase, your purse, your backpack, your golf bag, wherever you need to store it. You can easily Take it with you. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's like a five hour energy without the same crash feeling, plus, it's natural, so it's better for your body. Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein is a fast absorbing protein, so it gets into your system very quickly and it's easy on the stomach. Collagen promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health, so this stuff literally makes you look better. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED and you will receive 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go! Wrapping things up here on a Crossover Thursday edition of Locked on Bucks and Locked on Panthers getting ready for a big matchup between the Bucs and Panthers this week. It's a must win for the Bucs in order to get off this snide. It's a must win for the Panthers, who are quietly still in the playoff hunt. And Bill, was something that I wanted to bring up, because David and I were talking about it before recording yesterday, and I was honestly shocked when I double-checked and I saw that the Panthers' record was 3-6. and six. It seems like this is a much better team Than a three and six record and I understand you are what your record says you are, but this is a team that's been without Christian McCaffrey up until last week since that Buccaneers game. They're not going to have McCaffrey again this week, but I realize you can't replace McCaffrey but the the running game really hasn't suffered the team as a whole has really stepped up and done some great things. What is it about this team that is almost like the NFC's version of the Chargers where they're putting themselves in great positions to win games and just can't close them out. Yeah, I think
1: that's just the sign of this team being young and, you know, a lot of these young players just not really knowing yet what it takes to win games in the NFL, right? You know, they've been uh it, they've been very competitive and pretty much Every game they've played this season, you know, even in the six losses, um, especially the first meeting against Tampa Bay, you know, they fought hard pretty much all game. They ended up losing by two touchdowns. But, you know, the bright side of that is that still is their biggest margin of defeat so far this season. You take that you take that 14 point loss away from the against the Bucks. Panthers haven't lost the game by more than eight points all season. I mean, they certainly surprised a lot of people last week when they only lost by two points to the defending champion chiefs. And remember this team led at the half Mm -hmm. in Kansas city, which is not easy to do. They had a four point lead at halftime, uh, but they struggled in the third quarter and the chiefs just kind of did what they usually do. So you know, maybe not this year because they're still kind of progressing, but certainly when you get to 2021, now it's going to be about turning a lot of these close losses into wins and really starting to become the contenders that this team is hoping to to be within the next year or two. But you mentioned the running game, too. Absolutely. You know, they didn't really miss too much of a beat after McCaffrey ran down. And let's remember, too, it was the fourth quarter of of that first Buccaneers game where Mike Davis came in because that's when McCaffrey had the ankle sprain and Davis caught eight passes, you know, so they really started utilizing him in the passing game almost immediately. And that trend kind of continued for a little bit, you know, they're, they have issues from time to time running the football, but that's more because, Their offensive line, especially in the middle, continue to have question marks. Uh, They're still rotating guys in. Now, you know, Chris Reed has kind of solidified himself in that left guard position, but they're still rotating guys at left tackle when uh, Russell Okun goes down. Um, So, you know, overall, they haven't been bad running the football. And, you know, it was going to be interesting to see how they would have utilized Mike Davis with McCaffrey coming back. And he still got six passing targets, but only carried the ball once. But again, he's obviously going to be used a lot more now that McCaffrey is likely going to be out again on Sunday. So, you know, credit Joe Brady as well. He just continues to, you know, scheme the offense in a way that still gets the ball uh, in their playmakers hands. And you never really know who it's going to be from week to week. So it's a fun offense to watch. But yeah, this is still a team that, you know, eventually they're they're going to learn to win some of these close games.
0: Taking a look at the defensive side of the ball, uh, you know, last time we talked, you talked about kind of the youth and the inexperience at linebacker and how that was kind of a weakness for the team. How have they come along as far as the first time the Bucs and Panthers faced off to where they are now and what can Buccaneers fans expect out of this linebacking core that to me from the outside looking in looks like They've gotten better week after week, but you know you're much closer to the team. And I'm interested to hear how they've progressed or kind of stagnated. Yeah, the linebacking
1: core has been interesting, especially last week when you're coming off a week where uh, Jermaine Carter actually got a little bit more playing time. Um, Tyre Whitehead actually only played about like 20 snaps last week. You know, Tyre Whitehead has kind of slipped a little bit he's not the uh not the you know I don't want to say top notch but you know because he's never been like a high-end linebacker but he's been a decent linebacker but he's kind of slipped a little bit you know especially over the last couple weeks so they're starting to get more of a look at Jermaine Carter and this is also because you know Jeremy Chin has been injured they're hoping to get him back very soon uh, but they've had to mix in Jermaine Carter they've had to mix in Darius taylor so you know kind of like the left tackle position with okung being injured they're kind of just mixing guys in and out at that linebacker position so i would say that's probably the uh um, close to the weak point i guess i guess of this defense you're starting to see the secondary play a little bit better even with the injuries uh that they've dealt with uh so the linebacking unit is you know still rather interesting but Um, I would definitely say, too, that that's um, that's part of the reason why the Panthers have kind of a middling, you know, average to below average uh, run defense.
0: Real quick, before we flip it over to the offensive side of the ball, what is the status of Yeter Gross Matos? Uh, I know he's been a little bit banged up. Is he on track to play this week?
1: Yeah, he, he actually Returned in a limited role last week against the Chiefs. He played a, you know, a small number or somewhere like 15 snaps, somewhere around there. So they got him back in the limited role. So I expect him to um, to be progressively worked back in into the defense. So it was nice to see him back in the lineup last, last week. So, you know, hopefully we see a little bit more of him. Hopefully he gets healthier. And, um, you know, because he flashed a little bit in those first couple games, uh, before getting banged up. But yeah, so I would say, um, you know, will they continue him on, on a snap count? We'll see. depends on how healthy he is. But yeah, he's uh, he looks like he's ready to go
0: again. You know that David and I are big Teddy Bridgewater guys, mm-hmm. and it's been great to see him really playing well, given the circumstances of, of kind of being the face of a rebuild right now. Granted, you know, as we've already discussed, you know, I kind of think that this rebuild is, you know, better than they look in in the standings. You know, I, I compare them to the Chargers as far as always being so close, but just quite can't quite get over the hump. What has Teddy Bridgewater been? Or I guess I should say, how has Teddy Bridgewater really been keeping this Panthers team? in games that, you know, you mentioned they had a a lead against the Kansas City Chiefs at halftime. What is it about Teddy B's game that is keeping them in games that they probably shouldn't be in? Mm -hmm. To me, I I keep saying this off and on throughout
1: my shows, and it's just the fact that Teddy Bridgewater, you know, takes care of of the football. He's really not turning it over. You know, he only has six interceptions through through nine games, which is – not bad at all. I mean, you when you look at um, when you look at some of the quarterbacks that have thrown more interceptions so far this season than Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, Carson Wentz has thrown twelve interceptions. Russ Russell Wilson actually has eight interceptions. Uh, you know, Tom Brady has seven. Matthew Stafford, Cam Newton, they, Kyler Murray, they've all thrown seven interceptions. So these are quarterbacks that have thrown more interceptions than Teddy Bridgewater. I'm not saying six is, you know, an outstanding number, but, you know, given kind of the, um, given kind of the, the context of everything, it's not a horrible number. And so the way he's able to just drive this team down the field, you know, they, they don't really take a lot of deep shots either. This is, um, it's, it's a lot of safe, safe stuff from time to time but teddy having the weapons that he has to throw to you know we know robbie anderson has been catching a bunch of passes dj moore is obviously still a, a solid player you know he's been quiet the last couple of weeks but curtis samuel the way he's come along as well too to really help out teddy Bridgewater. so having all these guys and not re- not being careless with the football has been a uh, a pleasant surprise and it's been a it's obviously been a key reason why they've been able to hang into some of these games. You know, unfortunately the defense at times does let them down obviously, but you know, the, the pieces are there to, to continue with this rebuild. Like, like you said, they, there are times they definitely look better than their records show. So, you know, the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel is there is, is the best way I could put it.
0: And the last one I got for you, Bill, what do the Panthers need to do in order to beat a Buccaneers team that over the past couple weeks looks really, really beatable?
1: That's a good question. You know, uh, this (laughs) has been, uh, it's, it's been tough. You know, this team definitely surprises, um, I mentioned last week going into the Chiefs game that it was kind of about taking care of the football, which they've done. They've, they've got to cut down on the turnovers. You know, they, they turned the ball over four times in that first meeting. Teddy threw – we just talked about six interceptions Teddy has. Two of them came against the Buccaneers. So if they can cut down on those turnovers, if um, these receivers continue to play – as well as they have been over the last couple of weeks, then maybe they have the juice on offense to at least hang in there with the Buccaneers. I obviously don't expect them to run the ball very successfully, um, but if they can get, if they can continue to get Mike Davis involved in the passing game, like they did in that first meeting, then that's obviously, you know, just extra ammo that the the Buccaneers have to be wary of. So it's going to be, it's, it's a chore. It really is. But at least they're home this time around. And if they can, um, you know, and if the defense can, can get to Brady and kind of rattle that offense the way the saints did last week and the way really the giants did a couple weeks ago as well, you know, it's, it's a tall order, but the way this team just has been fighting over the last couple weeks and they, you know, still have some confidence in themselves to, um, you know, I think last week showed that they can hang with, with some teams now. So if they can just kind of roll over some of that momentum to this week, then we might have a game on our hands. All right, Billy, you got a score prediction for us? I'll say it's going to be a little bit closer than the first meeting, you know, with Carolina being at home. I still say Tampa Bay takes this one, but I'm going to say 27-21
0: Buccaneers win. Well, I'll I'll go ahead and give mine. Uh, And unlike last time, you and I do not have the exact same score prediction. Uh, I take a look at this game and I think, you know, you're going to have a real angry Tom Brady. I get, I get Aaron Rodgers post-Buccaneers game vibes out of this, that he is going to come out angry. He's going to come out firing, slinging the ball. I think the defense is going to try to get back on track a little bit. I expect Bowles to bring a little bit more pressure than he did against the Saints and really try to get after Teddy Bridgewater, allow the secondary to man up the way they're supposed to, and hopefully create some of those takeaways that we saw in the first meeting. I I think the Bucs hand the Panthers, another double digit loss. I'll go 34 to 17. Sounds good.
1: We'll <laughs> see what happens. I mean, it, it's always tough now it really is always tough with this Panthers team but I can certainly see the Bucks being angry after their their performances especially with Tom Brady and then the way Bruce Arians kind of runs his mouth sometimes it's it's going to be fun to watch the these these games are always fun to watch no matter what
0: absolutely absolutely all right well that is going to do it for this week's crossover thursday episode make sure you're checking out everything bill is doing over at locked on panthers check out everything i'm doing over at locked on bucks until then stay safe stay healthy wash your hands be good to each other and we thank you so much for joining us right here on crossover thursdays